So take your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 18. John 18, amen. John 18, that's where we're going. Uh, make sure you can amen what I'm saying, because if I tell you I had a flat tire, don't amen that unless you help me change it, right? Only amen, it means yes, yes, that is true, what you're saying, so be careful what you amen, because sometimes preachers can get so excited that a congregation amen something they didn't, they can't verify. Everything in Scripture you can verify because you have your own copy of the Word of God. Now let me remind you, uh, so many people, I need to come back to this, it seems like on a regular basis, who ordained the church? Who ordained the church? It's not a trick question. Starts with G, rhymes with Todd. God ordained the church. Who's the head of the church? Specifically, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the head of the church, okay? Don't mess this up. Don't mix this up. When you were young, there were two things you didn't talk about at church, or talk about, period. What were those two things in America, especially in the South? Don't talk about religion, and don't talk about politics. So religion, our religion, if you want to say Christianity is a religion, even though some people say, no, it's a relationship. But we're classified as a religion, okay? So should we talk about religion? Yes, above all things. If you get God wrong, you got your whole life wrong. Amen? So it was a false trick by the devil to tell the old people to tell us, don't talk about religion and politics because they wanted to keep the family together. They'd rather have family unity than family uni unity with the Father. I'd rather mess you up, make you mad in my personal family, in my faith family, instead of messing up my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to please Him instead of you. Amen? So I'm going to talk about religion till I die. Amen? The other thing we can't talk about is what? Politics. Paul tells Timothy, who ordained the government? Starts with G, rhymes with Todd. God ordained the government. Should you talk about religion and politics? Absolutely. Listen, we're going to vote November 8 this coming Tuesday. It's time to vote. If you're 18 or older, I hope that you have registered to vote, and I hope that you're prepared to speak your single little truth. You get to, you get to put your ballot in and speak the truth of what you believe. It, I don't care. Not a party. I'm talking about what you believe. You've got nowadays. It's let's get as close as we can to what I believe. Uh, there's people even within our church that are on. Uh, I'll call them out. Barry's on the school board. I love Barry. And I pray for you on a regular basis, Barry. I do because you got an uphill battle. We have administrators. Tammy's in the in the uh, public schools. We have teachers in the public schools that are doing the work of God. But listen, they're they're having to chip away now. That song, Ferris, Lord Jesus, we just sang, the original hymn, not, not, not the extra. That, that's a newer version, I, I think it is. But the original hymn was written in 1677. Did you know that? I had to look it up. 1677, it was a German comp composer, and it's on page 87 in your hymnal. If you want to look at our number 87, we're not going to do that today. But all those years, was Jesus the same in 1677? Was he the Ferris, Lord Jesus, back then? Yes, he was. And then we look at John 18, goes back 2,000 years ago. Was he the fairest Lord Jesus then? Shows you how much public school has changed. We sang that song at Pauline Glen Springs Elementary School when I was in first grade. I can remember singing that song, Fairest Lord Jesus. In public school, we sang that song. Not the new version, but the hymn. So I want you to see how far we've come. And, and society we know has to, there's got to be that, uh, the Bible talks about in the last days, listen, terrible times are coming, right? It has to happen. Some of us want to stop it. We want to stop the bad things. We, we want to put the brakes on. Here's what you can do. Make a difference with the sphere of influence that you have. Right? Amen? 
You can vote, that's one way, but you can also call the people that we vote for. I don't know if you understand this, uh, but we have a form of government where the people who we vote for represent us. You say, well, not mine. I guarantee you, you haven't represented, you haven't called your representative or senator or those people in school boards or local county boards. Have you ever called them and told them how you feel? Have you ever said, and say, listen, and on a regular basis that you have a first name cell phone number with them? The people that serve you, they're here to serve. So when they serve the government, they're serving under God's leadership. You say, well, I don't believe that. Not what we have now. And Listen, you don't get to pick and choose just because of the news that you watch. These are real people with real names, real emotions, and real decisions they have to make. The problem with society and community is the church. The adults. Could you all imagine we talked about uh, girls, and it might be guys, identifying as cats called furries. And we're, we're actually even talking about it and tolerating that in, in our society. Where are the adults? Where are the parents? Where is the church? Well, let me tell you, as we get into the Word of God today, God called his disciples out. He told them what was going to happen. He calls them out, and they had to live in a society that they didn't like. They were under Rome. Under the, they called it the oppression of Rome. Rome is in every detail, even the arrest of Jesus Christ. Rome's in, Rome was pagan society very much focused on uh, emperor worship or Caesar worship. And we're going to see today in the Word of God what Jesus says. Jesus speaks clearly to his time and to the future, our time today, the 21st century. So John chapter 18, we'll begin in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, what words? Go back to chapter 17, all of chapter 17, his prayers. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over, the Bible says, the brook Kidron, or it really is, a, it's one of those dry creeks. Y'all understand when it rains real hard, like we, we call this little town creek that runs under the, the drain over here, runs into our pond. It's a dry creek for the most part, except when it rains and then it pours through there like a creek. Well, it's more like Town Creek Swamp these days with the, with the way it grows. But this is a brook. This is a, a ravine, a kidron, where there was a, a garden. And he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things, and I hope you underline, I have that circled, underlined, and highlighted in my Bible. Circled, underlined, and highlighted. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things. What does Jesus know, church? All things. Listen, keep that in your mind. In your situation you're going through today, your happies, your, your lows, your highs, all things that would come upon him went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Verse 5, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. He spoke the Old Testament sacred name of God. I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That's the disciples that were with him. Verse 9, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke, of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, one of my favorite stories in the Bible when I was a kid. Kids, read this, it's kind of funny. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, and he cut off his right ear. Which ear did he cut off? His right ear. Get this. Peter must have been, 
what was he, left-handed or right-handed? We don't know. He just, he was getting for his head, I think. I don't think he was going for the ear. The servant's name was what? Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. We'd call it putting him in handcuffs. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. And now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray for your word today, that it would dig deep into our hearts. And Lord, we would actually use it, Lord, to bring you glory, even, even this week and even today as we go out of this place. Bless the reading of your word. Bless your worship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at your notes. I want you to see. If you take notes, obviously this is found, this is recorded also in Matthew 26, 47 through 56. It's found in Mark 14, 43 through 52. And it's also found in Luke, the other gospel there, 22, 47 through 53. So this encounter, and it's a little bit different than all encounters to the point that there's more description. Like if you read this one and you don't read the other gospels, you go, well, what happened to the dude's ear? Right? He cut it off. What happened to it? You have to go back and see what Matthew says. We'll look at that in just a moment. We can often, look at your notes, we can often dream or wish for a different set of circumstances in our lives. Is that true? You find out you got that dread disease, you got cancer, you got heart disease, you got fill in the blank, that kid's gone, somebody passed. We can all wish or hope for something different. But we have to live this life. And we understand when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, when they sinned in the garden, sin into the, entered into the world. That's what we actually suffer. That's why we uh, suffer bad things today is because of the original sin. And when you're, if you have a Catholic background, listen, a priest cannot wash and drop water on you and uh, take away your original sin. There's nobody can take away your sins but the blood of Jesus Christ. And you must know that you know that you know that you were able to confess your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive you of your sins. And the Bible says, based on his word, he will. Mike just read it this morning in 1 John uh, chapter 3. He was very clear that, listen, this is our, my commandment, that you love one another, but also that you love God and you keep my commandments. What would we call that if we, kids know the answer to this, if your parents tell you to do something and you don't do it, that's called being what? Disobedient. So the opposite of that is true. What does God want us to be today? Obedient. And keep that in your mind. Write obedient really big in letters somewhere on your notes because that's the key factor for Jesus and that's the key factor for his disciples of his time and as well as today. As Christians, we have options as how do we respond to what we identify as successes and failures. Isn't that amazing to think about? Because in your world, your success might be my failure. And your failure might be a success in my eyes. You don't know. You don't walk in other people's shoes. So all we can do is say, thus said the word of God, and live our lives as God has called us to live, and respond accordingly. Sometimes you have to say, here's a big word. Remember Fonzarelli and Happy Days? Anybody remember the Happy Days? What was something Fonzie couldn't say? He used to say, I'm sore. I'm sore. Right? And I used to laugh. He couldn't say, I'm sorry. And is that many people today? They don't want to admit guilt. They can't say, I'm sorry. That's what's wrong with marriages. That's what's wrong with relationships and business. When you do wrong, listen, the Bible's very clear. We must repent of that sin. And in repenting of that sin, the Bible says if you've got something against your brother, or if your brother has something against you, and that includes sisters, you go to them privately. Amen? That's, that's an amen right there. Amen? You go to your brother or sister quietly 
to them and, and listen, you say, I'm sorry. But you also, if you've got something against them, you have to tell them, I've got something against you. Not too long, I've had people that come to me sometimes and say, listen, uh, I want to tell you, listen, I forgive you for whatever it is that, that they forgive me for. And I said, well, that ain't how it works. You're forgiving me because I haven't done anything wrong in that situation. Get it biblically right. If you had evil thoughts against me, I did nothing wrong unless I offended you. What did I do to offend you? Well, you didn't offend me. You just made decisions I didn't like. Was it an unbiblical decision? Well, no, I just didn't like it. Okay, then it's not my problem. Amen? Listen, same thing for me. I can't come to you as a church member or as a guest and say, listen, uh, I forgive you. For what? For not tithing. Is that my problem? That's a biblical command, I believe, from the Lord. Listen, I forgive you for the way you looked at me. Have, any, have I passed any of y'all at church before and not said good morning to you? I've had people say, he passed me, or he told someone else. He passed me, and he didn't even say good morning to me. FYI, I'm old, I'm a human, right? And sometimes I'm thinking of a thousand things, trying to how to cool this building off with Derek and how to get things together. Uh, sometimes I have a one-track mind. I want to go and get something accomplished. I'm a man as well. Ladies, y'all understand that, right? So if I don't speak to you, it's not because of managers. It's because I'm, I'm focused on task, and if you distract me, I will actually forget what I'm supposed to do, and, and I'll end up walking in a room going, what was I here for? Anybody do that? They're called also now as what now? Senior moments. I have some of those. The more senior, the more moments I have. But listen, so when you go to someone, you must apologize. If you've done something wrong, or you ask the question, have I done something to offend you? And then listen, we have to be bold enough in our, we call it courageous conversations, and say, yes, you offended me because you said, right? Fill in the blank. Sometimes when I do counseling, I, if you've never done counseling with you or your, your family, I always tell you, listen, I won't use this counseling in, in front of the pulpit, but if I preach about what the Word of God says, God's always going to touch your situation because He speaks truth from His Word. Amen? He speaks truth from His Word. Amen? Come on, y'all. You're fanning. You've got amen. I want you, if you want to go to old church, otherwise put your fans down. All right, look. I want you to see the notes. Jesus had prepared His disciples for the moment in this scripture passage we find ourselves. Christ Jesus had foreknowledge of the events which were about to unfold. He knew all things that were going to happen to him. Nothing caught him by surprise. He's not at the wrong place at the wrong time like maybe Peter was, even though Peter had to fulfill Scripture as well. You say, well, this, why do we even bother? Why don't we just wake up in the morning and do whatever I want to do, and then the Lord will just use it for his glory? Well, I guess he could, but God has a plan for your life, and he has a purpose for your life. No matter how old you are, listen, God is setting things out. How many of y'all, when y'all were young people, you couldn't wait <clears throat> to get older so you can be a drug dealer? Anybody? Not a pharmacist, but a drug dealer. A, a gangster, a mafia, whatever it might be, something evil. Couldn't wait to be Satan's protege. No one really plans that. Uh, there are some kids that seem to be bent that way, seems like sometimes, but no one plans that. Well, how do you become that? It's because of the decision. James tells us very clearly, how are we led astray? Don't ever say that God led me astray. We go astray by our thoughts. We have processes in our mind, and then we say, hmm, that would be fun or interesting. And we move towards that, and it moves from our thoughts into our hearts, into our actions. So when you sin against God, it's something you have processed that you decided you would do. You thought it was in secret, or maybe you thought it was in public, but you made that decision. These men, these are followers of Christ. Who knew Peter had a sword until he pulls it out? Did anybody ever read the Bible and know Peter was carrying a sword? Makes sense. He was a fisherman, but none of us knew he carried a sword. 
He still got his old tool from the old day that he used to cut fishing line and cut fish heads off. Could you imagine being cut on the ear or have your ear cut off by old Rusty or his old knife? Maybe it's a very sharp knife, but Peter was, he was whacking a fish head when he was cutting Malchus's head, right? He was going after his head. He wasn't going after his ear. I just think he was a bad aim. Let's look and see. This is amazing to me when you read the Word of God. We don't have time for all of this. Jesus crossed over the ravine of Kidron, and I looked, at, looked this up. The word Kidron, I put it in your Bible, means, uh, in your notes, means murky. Why does it mean murky? Well, I looked it up. Why, does the word, why do we have a, a valley called murky? And then if you go back and study, the temple, listen, where the temple is or will be, they made what we called, if you, if you your sewage at the old campus, it, we, we had this funny story uh, that we actually have a septic tank, and we got into a big debate with the city. No, no, no. Y'all have city water, city sewage down there. And we said, no, we, we don't. They insisted, so we said, okay, then come check it. We'd like for you to flush out our city uh, sewage. And they came down, of course, we don't have city sewer. The old, we have city water, not city sewer. It costs $50,000 to put it in. We said, we'd like for you all to go ahead and finish and put our $50,000 sewer system in. And they're like, well, maybe y'all wasn't part of the plan. And so the city backed off and said, okay, you, no, y'all never agreed to it, so you just have city water. So we, we understood that. Y'all understand whenever city, when you flush your toilets, kids, or when you drink water out of the sink, it goes in and it goes down. It follows through some, some pipes. And what, what happens to it? It ends up at a reservoir or somewhere, a processing place. And actually, y'all know the toilet water that you flush, you eventually drink it. Did you know that? Does everybody know that? If you drink out of the city water, if you have city water and you drink it, your Kool-Aid is made with earlier flushed stuff, right? It's been processed and cleaned and filtered. But that's how the system works. Well, the Kidron Ravine here, when the priest, and I tried to look it up, there were somewhere from 250,000 plus animals that would have been slaughtered during the Passover. Well, I started thinking through my head. When you read that, you just think of a dead animal, and, but you think of 250,000 dead sheep. Let's just pick that number. It's probably greater than that. People are coming from all over the world. That they're coming to Jerusalem to, for the Passover feast and the, the, the festival, and they had to bring an animal. And so 250,000 animals, and a sheep has about five liters of blood. I had to look this up. And, and I looked up, and five liters of blood is something, 1.3 gallons. And so I did 250,000 sheep, plus I think it's more, plus 1.5 gallons of blood each. And they were to sprinkle the blood and then drain it. They had a drainage system like your sewer system, but they had a drainage system that they would pour the excess blood out of in the temple floor. Do anybody know that? And when I'm reading this, I'm like, how many times have I read this and skipped this? So Kidron means murky, meaning they had poured the blood of all these animals. And I come up to it, it's actually 330,000 gallons of blood that they would have poured out. And so when Jesus is coming into the temple, and what is Jesus called? One of his titles is called what? The Passover lamb. So he's walking down, and what does he step over? He's coming down the Kidron Valley. He's going to the Mountain of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. He had to step over the ravine of blood. The Passover lamb's blood that they were spilling in the temple was potentially running under his feet, running murky, red blood, and they would flush it with water. But you'd think 330,000 gallons. That's one of those big farming tanks, like in Ridge Spring. Have you ever seen those tanks? Big tanks of water that it was actually blood and water mixed coming through that ravine, through that, if you would, your Bible says the brook. It was running with blood. So Jesus, the Passover lamb, is stepping over the Passover lamb's blood that's being slaughtered to actually go into the temple, right, or, or, or to Jerusalem to be slaughtered. 
How prophetic is that? And you go back and there's other prophecies that talk about his coming again. Where was he going to? We say, the Bible says if you look in the other uh, gospels, he was going to the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, it's not really a garden. It's actually an olive grove. He's going to the Mount of Olives. So he's crossing over, if you will, the stream of blood, walking to the place of olives. And guess what, what's there? Gethsemane, if you do any study, the Mount of Olives, they would actually process the olives there. And how do you get olive oil? Anybody know? You've got to press it. So Jesus was stepping over the valley of, of the creek of blood, if you would, the ravine of blood, going to the place of being pressed. You see what's happening? It's actually a very vivid word picture of what was about to happen to him. He's about to spill his blood, the Passover lamb, and he's about to be pressed. He's about to be crushed for your sins and mine. Do you see the word picture there that the Bible clearly shows to us? Let's continue. It's amazing when you continue to see this. So the blood's flowing. Jesus crossed over that ravine of Kidron and entered into this spiritual warfare in the Garden of Gethsemane, which means olive oil press. That's what it means. After a time of prayer, after John 17, it's at the very foot of the Mount of Olives. If you, if you want to make notes, you go look at a map. I was going to put a map up today to let you see it. You can see the flow. And if you follow the, this is what some archaeologists, we talked about this in our Christian school, our, our Christian archaeology, the archaeologists are following the, the system. Now you can do tours of what they believe is this drainage system that actually runs into the Kidron Valley where the blood of the Passover lambs ran. It's dry now, of course, because there is no more sacrifice. Why? There's no more blood coming down. What do you think, Lemuel? I saw you raise your hand. It's because Jesus shed his blood and it's paid for. There's no more. That creek is dry because the Passover lamb, his blood has been shed once and for all for anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. Isn't it amazing to think about our God did that for you and for me? Amen. Listen, let's continue. I want you to see this. Judas had set his heart on gaining wealth and earthly authority. He led a detachment of troops and officers, and some scholars, I put this in there, potentially 300 to 600 men to arrest one man. Judas brought a detachment with him. He's rolling now from the authority that he would actually act on, because he was, he was a fake. He was actually cruising around with the disciples, the apostles of God. And he goes from this one man, Jesus, now to working technically for the Roman government, who was also in charge of Caiaphas and Annas. They were actually paid and they got lots of money. So Judas wanted some of their money. He wanted some of their authority. So he leads these men to arrest Jesus. Sometimes if you read a story, you say, I wish I could change that part of the story. Let me ask you a question. Would God change anything that's here in the Scripture? No, not for anything, because this was his plan. We're reading as if it were the script of heaven that this would happen. All of these players would do their thing, and then this would be the outcome. This is what we're actually seeing from God. Nothing would change if we could change it. The Bible tells us plainly that Jesus knew all things that would come upon him during this fulfilling of prophecy. You say, well, how can it actually be fulfilled? Go back and turn to Matthew chapter 26, just for a moment. Matthew 26. See what the Lord says, because like us, we would say, can't we change the narrative? Can't we change this to make it nicer? Can't we change it and just say, let's just, just make it a different way? And you ever said that? If I had to do it, I would do it a different way? Anybody? I have. That's why you're not God, right? That's why your opinion doesn't really matter when it comes to the actual Word of God. This is thus said the Word of God. This is the truth. This is how it is. This is what God says. And all we have to do is, that's a word I told you to write down in big letters on your notes. What is it? 
Obedience. We must be obedient to the Word of God. We must read it for what it says, and then we must follow it if there's a command for us that's given. And there is a command that's given. Matthew chapter 26, look at verse 51 through 56. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, and he drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and he cut off his ear. Which ear was it, by the way? He didn't, uh, Matthew didn't tell us. It was his right ear, because John tells us specifically his right ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the scripture be fulfilled that it must happen thus? How can it be fulfilled? The answer would be, can't be, because this is the plan of God. In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, have you come out? This is that 300 to 600 people. This is not the other disciples. Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Remember this, listen, everything about the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it was scripted by God. And these men wrote it down, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, listen, they wrote it down as they were impressed and inspired by the Holy Spirit. You look at the details, you say, well, they don't tell us it was the right ear. Matthew didn't tell us it was the right ear. Was it surely the right ear? John said it was the right ear. And then Mark comes back, and look at what Mark says. Mark goes even different. Mark 14. Go over to Mark 14. Matthew, Mark, go to 14. When you're there, say Amen. See if you can beat the pastor there. Mark 14. Amen. 1449. I was daily with you in the temple teaching, but you did not seize me. But the scripture must be, what does your Bible say? Fulfilled. God's plan is going to be fulfilled no matter what. You can't change it. You can't get in and say, well, let's throw a curveball in here. If you play what if, listen. What if, what if, what if? Wendy used to play the what if game sometimes with me when we were young or married. What if? And I'll say, oh, what if a 747 crashed into our house, squishes me like a bug? What if, what if there's an explosion? And you can play what if till you die. That's where anxiety comes from. Amen? Don't mess around with stuff like that, the what ifs. This is. These are the this is. This is actually fulfilled. Let's continue. Mark 14, 49, and now 50. They all forsook him and fled. They ran from him. Why did they forsake him? Forsake him. Why did they do it? Did they not love him? Did he not command them to love them? He had said earlier in John 6, you'll see this, John chapter 6, he said, the ones that the Father gave me, I will not lose any of them. So why did they flee? One, personally, why did they, why did they run? They were scared. They were scared for their own lives. But also, why did they flee? Why did they run away? Because Jesus said so. He wouldn't lose a one. None of them is going to be arrested. Now, if you're a kid and like to read, Mark is like, I call him the ADHD disciple. He liked to, and this happens and this happens and this happens. If you continue to read, the funniest story in the Bible, besides the kid falling out of the window, dying, and when Paul was preaching so long, is this passage, and I won't read it for this morning, but you can look. It starts with verse 51. And I, I used to laugh in church, laugh in church, laugh in church when I would read this and just... No one knew what I was laughing about, but I was just reading the Bible with malintentions. But you continue to read verse 51, and you'll get a little bit of a tickle if you read it as a kid, or even as an adult. I thought it was funny. Still think it's funny, but not part of today's sermon. Look at your notes. Jesus completely obeyed his Father's will. Can you say that with me? Jesus 
Can y'all say it with me? Jesus completely obeyed his Father's will. He set the example for all of us, his disciples. If you're a faithful follower of Christ today, you are his disciples. Well, has he left any instructions for you and for me? What instructions do we have? We go back and look at the New Testament. We don't have, we don't have to go kill our sheep anymore, right? You don't, anybody raising sheep in the building? Anybody have a sheep? No one's raising sheep, so how could we actually atone for our own sins? The answer is we don't have to because he did. Amen? That's why you don't have a sheep in your house. That's why you don't have a sheep pen at your house or your farm or wherever you're placed. You don't have to have any sheep because, listen, the Passover lamb has been slain once and for all. He did it for you, so no, no need for sheep. Unless you like lamb chops, that would be the only reason, right? Or wool. Well, look at this. This is amazing to me as I read this passage. Jesus controlled his own arrest. He controlled it. He asked whom they were seeking. They replied, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, you know, Jesus means the same as Yeshua, Joshua, means Savior or save, right? So Jesus, save. And look what Nazareth means. I just looked this up because names were somehow hit me on this passage. It means he who keeps or separated, crowned, or sanctified. So they're saying, we're searching the Savior who keeps, that is going to be crowned, that is sanctified, that is set apart. When they said Jesus of Nazareth, they were saying the Savior, Messiah. You say, well, I don't see that in text. You've got to keep reading. Because they're going to slap him, they're going to spit on him, and they're going to say, prophesy, Messiah, tell us who it was that hit you when he's blindfolded. I hate these dark days that we're going to read in the scripture coming up. But they even called him, the 300 to 600 men called out, we're looking for the Savior who protects, who separated, who would be crowned. We're looking for the Messiah. And they were looking for him to destroy him, not to worship him. What did the wise men do when they came when he was born? We, we studied this back some time. When the wise men came, what did they come and seek? Where is he who is born king of the Jews? So that we might bow down, give him gifts, and worship him. They understood it. These were men of pagan descent that comes and says, well, there is a God that has sent his son, and he's the king of the Jews. Ironically, the, the Magi wanted to worship Jesus when he was born. And what title does Rome give him, Pilate himself? We'll see this next week. What does Pilate give him? The name is what? The king of the Jews. Eleven times Jesus is referred to as the king of the Jews. In positive and negative times here, but also when he was born, when he came into the earth. You cannot outrun scripture. This was God's plan, and he will see to it that he has a remnant, and he will have a witness on this planet till Jesus comes. Amen? He's a God who's good. He's a God who foreknows. He's a God who actually is in charge of ALL things in your life, in my life. Isn't that good news? Five of us think it's good news. All right, all right. I think it's good news. Jesus controlled this. Jesus responded to the arresting authority with the sacred name of God. He answered, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus, Savior of Nazareth, sanctified, crowned, set apart. That's who we're seeking. And he says, I am. That was the sacred name of God in the Old Testament. When Moses said, who do I tell them? Send me. They're not going to believe me because I've killed an Egyptian. And I'm going back and telling them that I'm here speaking on behalf of God. I'm going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Who do I say sent me? What's your name, by the way? He says, I am. I am holy. I am righteous. I am the Passover lamb. I am the mighty God. I am the prince of peace. Fill in the blanks. Listen, there's over 600 names for the great I am, but he is 
the I am. Amen? Come on, y'all. He is the I am. That's something we should get excited about this morning. In your life, what you need, what do you have need of? Listen, I need peace in my life. He is the great I am because he's the prince of peace. Well, I, I, I need an answer. Listen, he's the great I am of all wisdom. Wisdom was found, the Bible says in Proverbs, in him. It, without God, there was no wisdom. Wisdom was there, the foundation of the earth, because God put wisdom there because he is the I am. You can go down the list. I need a Savior. He's the great I am because he will save you from your sorry sins. Amen? He's the one who loves us. I need love in my life. Listen, he's the great I am who loves you because he would lay down his life for you and he would be raised again the third day according to the scripture and he lives forevermore to intercede on your behalf. He's, listen, I just need some hope. Listen, he's coming again. He's the great I am who gives you hope. You have hope in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, oh, I'm so sorry for you that you don't have hope in your life. But listen, some of us don't have a like, hope-so hope. We have a no-so hope that, listen, he's coming again. He said, I will return for you. We're going to do it this morning on the Lord's Supper. I'll say, take this bread and break it. Take this cup and drink it. Listen, Jesus said, remember what I did for you, but also look forward to the day I'm coming to get you. Wherever I am, I'm going to bring you with me. Aren't you excited to be with him today? That's the hope that we have if we have a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ. He's a, he's a wonderful, great I am. Judas the troops and the officers fell backwards to the ground when he spoke. The Bible says they fell back. Now, 300 men to 600 men didn't trip over somebody's shoestrings. What happened whenever some people said, this is just added in to the scripture. It's here in the word of God. Even in no matter what loose translation you might have, they don't take it out of this because they actually, guess what happened to them? They fell backwards. Why? The authority and the power of being in the presence of God. He could have killed them. We even read earlier, he could have called 12 legions of angels to destroy every single one of these men. He spoke on the authority that he has because he is God. Jesus is God. And he said, I am. And when he said, I am, with so much power, the men fell back. And they get up and he says, I'm asking you again, who are you seeking? And they ask him, they, we're seeking the Savior. We're seeking the man of Nazareth, the one sanctified, the one crowned. And he said, I am he. If you're seeking me, let these go. Why would he do that? Even in the major physical and spiritual conflict, Jesus remained at total peace. Why? How? Isaiah 9, 6 says he is the prince of peace. Today, do you need peace in your life? Financial situation? Health situation? Your family situation? You don't know what's going on. Listen, he's the prince of peace. He says he'll give you peace, the Bible says, that passes all understanding. We can't understand this. Listen, we just say, listen, Lord, I need this so desperately, and only I can get it from you, right? And when we go to him, he doesn't give you peace. Keep this in your mind. He doesn't just, like, slice off like you're cutting a piece of apple. He doesn't slice you off and say, here's some peace for you today. Listen, it's on sale at Aldi's at two for a dollar, right? It's not on sale today. He gives you what? Himself. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you and around you. He gives you himself. He doesn't give you peace. He gives you himself, who is the Prince of Peace. So when you walk through those dark days, when you walk through those confusing times, when you don't know which way to go, all you have to do is sit before him, the Prince of Peace, and enjoy a relationship with him. He said, I'll leave you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. This is what he told his disciples. And finally, Jesus protected his sheep. That's who his disciples are. That's who you are. That's who I am. Why? Because he said earlier, I am the great shepherd. 
not just a good shepherd, I am the great shepherd. What does the great shepherd do? The great shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. If you're coming to seek me, Jesus of Nazareth, let these people go. Let these men go. Protect my sheep. Did Jesus protect his sheep? 100%. Now we know that Peter, well, I'm not even here to talk about Peter. Peter did some dumb stuff. He cut off his right ear. There's a whole story within the story of their failure. This is not about failure. This is about, listen, redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's visual pictures for us to see his sacrifice, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We serve a good and holy God. Amen? He's good, y'all. I'm telling you, listen, this morning, he's good. Well, here's my question for you before we do the Lord's Supper today. How would you describe your relationship with Jesus? Do you have a personal love relationship with him? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? If you do, your knowledge will replace your fear. Children can know. Teenagers can know. Adults, senior adults can know. And you can walk through this life knowing that he cares for you. Here's another question. Are you living as his, what's that word we wrote down at the beginning? Obedient disciple. Here's an easy checkoff list. Romans 12, go down and read it today for your own self. Are you following what he says to follow? Are you doing what he says to do? Are you loving others as Christ loves you? Are you giving? Are you serving? Are you becoming trained as a disciple of Christ? We've talked about, obviously Derek and I and some of the staff, we talked about, what is Sunday night going to look like in the future? Y'all know how many people, look around, people, and this is church-wide, pastors are, are, are discussing and asking questions. The church of Jesus Christ will never die, okay? Get that down, because the gates of hell, the Bible says, shall not prevail against the church of Christ. And it's not some building, it's some address. We are the church of Christ. Satan won't win against us. Amen? He'll, he'll, listen, he'll offend you, he'll oppress you, but he can't win. The Bible's very clear. Jesus is very clear. But what's happening is, we got fly-by-night disciples today. We want it easy. We want it cool, right? And we want it hot. Uh, we want everything comfortable for us today so that we can actually live accordingly. We don't want to rock the boat at work. We don't want to say anything at family because here comes Thanksgiving and Christmas. And who wants to divide the family over Jesus at Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? I do because he saved my sorry soul. I have something to live for. I have a hope of eternity. Listen, I must tell you the truth, and if it offends you, listen, I'm not trying to offend you with my words, but if the word of God offends you, listen, take the offense and meet Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and respond and be obedient to what he says be obedient to. Otherwise, you'll end up like Judas. And what did Judas do when he got all of this? He got 30 pieces of silver. He was so excited that he had the authority. He's walking in front of 300 to 600. He's leading, and he probably has a position now forever with the chief priest. He'll be somewhere in that court. He might be serving him, but he can, now he has some authority because he has finally settled it for them. They got the man they were looking for. He kissed Jesus with a holy kiss or an unholy kiss, and then they arrest him. Judas got what he wanted. And guess what his hope and money and authority got him? We have a suicide letter, right, saying that he, he went and committed suicide. Nothing brought him hope. He had betrayed the Prince of Peace. He needed peace. He had betrayed the one who loved. He he'd betrayed the one who loved him, who gave his life for him. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he was dying for you and for me. And all he asks you today is, will you give your heart and life to me? And the answer is, should be rushed to him. Yes, a, a wise person would rush in and say, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. The reason we don't, and we have friends and family who refuse to accept Christ, we have some that talk to us and say, I don't know why I'm not a Christian. 
And I said, because you love your sin too much. You love your sin more than you love the Savior. That's why people won't change. They're afraid if I change, then I have to give up all this stuff. And some people say, no, 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 just come to Jesus. He's going to make you happy. That's hogwash. He won't make you happy. Listen, he'll give you joy. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is right here, right now. Judas was happy when he was rolling up with those 300 to 600. Do you think he was happy when he's choking out on that rope when he was killing himself? There was no happiness at all. Jesus brings you joy. Listen, Jesus will bring you hard times like you've never seen before. Jesus is controversial. He's so controversial that they crucified him on a cross. And if they did that to him, what did he tell us earlier? If the world loves its own, what's it going to do to us as believers in Christ? The Bible says they will hate it. They will hate us. Here's the last question. Is Jesus pleased with your level of obedience to him? Yes or no? Is he, is he pleased in your discipleship? Is he pleased in your Bible reading? Is he pleased in your prayer time, your offerings, your gifts, your sacrifice of what you have to him? We all have the same 24-7, don't we? Are you spending some of it, a portion of it, dedicated to him? Is he pleased? And only you can answer that question. Is Jesus pleased with your obedience in discipleship? 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 Is Jesus pleased with your obedience and discipleship? There has to be a yes or no. He's satisfied with me or he's not. Why would he put all of that, we should do this, this is my new command, this is what I command, this is what I command. He gave us the commands because he wanted us to be obedient to his commands. Like Jesus was obedient to the call to go to the cross of the Father. He commands, he doesn't suggest, he doesn't ask, he commands that you be obedient as his disciple of Christ. Are you being obedient today? Let's pray together. Father God, we have... I have you live today knowing that you've called us to be different. Father, know it's warm, and Lord, we, um, we love comfort because we're human. And I pray, Lord, as we give an invitation today, that we would do serious business with you to be obedient, to be an obedient disciple of you. We need you. We love you. We need your direction. We need your wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.